0: story two of the man without a country and other tales by edward everett hale this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. story two the last of the florida from the ingham papers the florida anglo rebel pirate after inflicting horrible injuries on the commerce of america and the good name of england was cut out by captain collins from the bay of bahia by one of those fortunate mistakes in international law which endear brave men to the nations in whose interest they are committed. When she arrived here the government was obliged to disavow the act. The question, then, was, as we had her by mistake, what we should do with her. At that moment the National Sailors' Fair was in full blast at Boston, and I offered my suggestion in answer in the following article which was published November nineteenth, 1864, in The Boatswain's Whistle, a little paper issued at the fair. The government did not take the suggestion. Very unfortunately, before the Florida was got ready for sea, she was accidentally sunk in a collision with a tug off Fort Monroe, and the heirs of the Confederate government, or the English bondholders, must look there for her if the Brazilian government will give them permission. For the benefit of the New York Observer, I will state that a dispatch sent round the world in a spiral direction westward twelve hundred times would not really arrive at its destination four years before it started. It is only a joke which suggests it. Special Dispatch Letter from Captain Ingham in command of the Florida received four years in advance of the mail by a lightning express which has gained that time by running round the world twelve hundred times in a spiral direction westward on its way from brazil to our publication office mrs ingham's address not being known the letter is printed for her information number twenty nine bahia brazil april one eighteen sixty eight my dear wife we are here at last thank fortune and i shall surrender the old pirate to-day to the officers of government we have been saluted are to be feted and perhaps i shall be made a knight commander of the golden goose i never was so glad as when i saw the lights on the san espiritu headland which makes the south point of this bahia or bay you will not have received my number twenty eight from Loando, and may have missed twenty six and twenty four, which I gave to outward bound whalemen. I always doubted whether you got one, seven, nine, and eleven. And for me, I have no word of you since you waved your handkerchief from the window at Springfield Street on the morning of the first of June, eighteen sixty five, nearly four years my dear child you will not know me let me then repeat very briefly the outline of this strange cruise and when the letters come you can fill in the blanks the government had determined that the florida must be returned to the neutral harbour whence she came they had put her in complete repair and six months of diplomacy had made the proper apologies to the brazilian government Meanwhile Collins, who had captured her by mistake, had, by another mistake, been made an admiral, and was commanding a squadron, and, to ensure her safe and respectful delivery, I, who had been waiting service, was unshelved and, as you know, bidden to take command. She was in apple-pie order. The engines had been cleaned up, and I thought we could make a quick thing of it. I was a little dashed when I found the crew was small, but I have been glad enough since that we had no more mouths. No one but myself knew our destination. The men thought we were to take dispatches to the gulf squadron. You remember I had had only verbal orders to take command, and after we got outside the bay I opened my sealed dispatches. The gist of them was in these words. You will understand that the honor of this government is pledged for the safe delivery of the Florida to the government of Brazil. You will therefore hazard nothing to gain speed. The quantity of your coal has been adjusted with the view to give your vessel her best trim and the supply is not large. You will husband it with care taking every precaution to arrive in bahia safely with your charge in such time as your best discretion may suggest to you your best discretion was underscored i called prendergast and showed him the letter then we called the engineer and asked about the coal he had not been into the bunkers but went and returned with his face white through the black grime, to report not four days' consumption. By some cursed accident, he said, the bunkers had been filled with barrels of salt pork and flour. On this I ordered a light, and went below. There had been some fatal misunderstanding somewhere. The vessel was fitted out as for an arctic voyage everywhere hard bread flour pork beef vinegar sauerkraut but clearly enough not at the very best five days of coal and i was to get to brazil with this old pirate transformed into a provision ship at my best discretion prendergast said i we will take it easy were you ever in bahia took flour there in fifty-five and lay waiting for india-rubber from july to october lost six men by yellowjack prendergast was from the merchant marine i had known him since we were children ethan said i in my best discretion it would be bad to arrive there before the end of october where would you go i cannot say he took the responsibility he would not take it you know, my dear, of course, that it was I who suggested Upper Novick. From the days of the old marbled paper, northern regions, through the quarto Ross and Perry and back, and the nephew Ross and Kane and McClure and McClintock, you know, my dear, what my one passion has been—to see those floes and icebergs for myself. Surely you forgive me, or at least excuse me, do you not?" Here was this fast steamer under me. I ought not to be in Bahia before October twenty-five. It was June one. Of course we went to Upper Novick. I will not say I regret it now. Yet I will say that on that decision, cautiously made, though it was at my discretion, all our subsequent misfortunes hang. The Danes were kind to us, the governor especially, though I had to carry the poor fellow bad news about the duchies and the Danish war, which was all fresh then. He got up a dance for us, I remember, and there I wrote number 1 to you. I could not of course help, when we left him, running her up a few degrees to the north, just to see whether there is or is not that passage between eklulik and Prince Rupert's headland, and by the way there is. After we passed Iklulik, there was such splendid weather that I just used up a little coal to drive her along the coast of King William's Land, and there, as we waited for little duck-shooting on the edge of a floe one day, as our luck ordered, a party of natives came on board, and we treated them with hardtack crumbs and whale oil. They fell to dancing, and we to laughing. They danced more, and we laughed more till the oldest woman tumbled in her bearskin bloomers and came with a smash right on the little cast-iron frame by the wheel which screened binnacle and compass. My dear child, there was such a hallooloo and such a mess together as I remember now. We had to apologize. The doctor set her head as well as he could. We gave them gingerbread from the cabin to console them, and got them off without a fight but the next morning, when I cast off from the floe, it proved the beggars had stolen the compass card, needle, and all. My dear Mary, there was not another bit of magnetized iron in the ship. The government had been very shy of providing instruments of any kind for Confederate cruisers. Poor Ethan had traded off two compasses only the day before for whalebone spears and skin breeches neither of which knew the North Star from the Ace of Spades. And this thing proved of more importance than you will think. It really made me feel that the stuff in the books and the sermons about the Mariner's Needle was not quite poetry. As you shall see, if I ever get through, since I began I have seen the consul, and heard the glorious news from home, and am to be presented to the port authorities to-morrow. It was the most open summer, Mary, ever known there. If I had not had to be here in October, I would have driven right through Lancaster Sound, by Bering's Island, and come out into the Pacific. But here was the honor of the country, and we merely stole back through the straits. It was well enough there—all daylight, you know—but after we passed Cape Farewell, we worked her into such fogs, child, as you never saw out of Hyde Park. Did not I long for that compass card? We sailed and we sailed and we sailed. For thirty-seven days I did not get an observation nor speak a ship. October! It was October before we were warm. At noon we used to sail where we thought it was lightest. At night I used to keep two men up for a lookout. Lash the wheel, and let her drift like a Dutchman. One way as good as another. Mary, when I saw the sun at last, enough to get any kind of observation, we were well-nigh three hundred miles northeast of Iceland. Talk of fogs to me! Well, I set her south again, but how long can you know if you are sailing south in those places where the northeast winds and Scotch mists come from? thank heaven we got south or we should have frozen to death we got into november and we got into december we were as far south as thirty seven degrees twenty nine minutes and were in thirty one degrees seventeen minutes west on new year's day eighteen sixty six when the second officer wished me a happy new year congratulated me on the fine weather said we should get a good observation and asked me for the new nautical almanac. You know they are only calculated for five years. We had two Greenwich ones on board, and they ran out December thirty-one, eighteen sixty-five. But the government had been as stingy in almanacs as in coal and compasses. They did not mean to keep the Confederacy in almanacs. That was the beginning of our troubles. I had to take the old almanac, with Prendergast, and we figured like Cocker, and always kept ahead with a month's tables. But somehow, I feel sure we were right, but something was wrong. And after a few weeks, the lunars used to come out in the most beastly way, and we always proved to be on the top of the Andes, or in the Marquesas Islands, or anywhere but the Atlantic Ocean. Well, then, by good luck, we spoke the winged Batavian could not speak a word of Dutch, nor he a word of English. But he let Ethan copy his tables, and so we ran for St. Sacrament. I posted eight, nine, and ten there. I gave the Dutchman seven, which I hope you got, but fear—well, this story is running long, but at St. Sacrament we started again, but as ill-luck would have it without a clean bill of health. At that time I could have run into Bahia with coal, of which I had bought some, in a week. But there was fever on shore, and bad, and I knew we must make practique when we came into the outer harbor here. So rather than do that, we stretched down the coast, and met that cyclone I wrote you about, and had to put into Loando. Understand this was the first time we went into Loando. I have learned that wretched hole well enough since. And it was, as we were running out of Loando that in reversing the engine too suddenly, lest we should smash up an old Portuguese woman's bum-boat, that the slides or supports of the piston-rod just shot out of the grooves they run in on the top, came cleverly down on the outside of the carriage, gave that odious grrrr, which I can hear now, and then dump down came the whole weight of the walking beam bent rod and carriages all into three figure eights and there we were i had as lief run the boat with a clothes-ringer as with that engine any day from then to now well we tinkered and the portuguese dockyard people tinkered we took out this and they took out that it was growing sickly and i got frightened and finally I shipped the propeller and took it on board, and started under such canvas as we had left, not much after the cyclone, for the north and the south together had rather rotted the original duck. Then, as I wrote you in number eleven, it was too late to get to Bahia before that summer's sickly season, and I stretched off to cooler regions again, in my best discretion. That was the time when we had the fever so horribly on board, and but for Wilder the surgeon and the Falkland Islands we should be dead, every man of us now. But we touched in Queen's Bay just in time. The governor, who is his own only subject, was very cordial and jolly and kind. We all went ashore and pitched tents and ate ducks and penguins till the men grew strong. I scraped her, nearly down to the bends, for the grass floated by our side like a mermaid's hair as we sailed, and the once swift Florida would not make four knots an hour on the wind, and this was the ship I was to get into Bahia in good order, at my best discretion. Meanwhile, none of these people had any news from America. The last paper at the Falkland Islands was a London Times of 1864, abusing the yankees as for the portuguese they were like the people logan saw at vicksburg they don't know anything good said he they don't know anything at all it was really more for news than for water i put into santa lucia and a pretty mess i made of it there we looked so like pirates as at bottom the old tub is that they took all of us who landed to the guard house None of us could speak Santa Lucia, whatever that tongue may be, nor understand it, and it was not till Ethan fired a shell from the one-hundred-pounder parrot over the town that they let us go. I hope the dogs sent you my letters. I suppose there was another infringement of neutrality. But if the Brazilian government sends this ship to Santa Lucia, I shall not command her, that's all. Well, what happened at Loando the second time, Valencia and Puntos Pimos and Nueva Salamanca and Loando this last time, you know and will know, and why we loitered so. At last, thank fortune, here we are. Actually, Mary, this ship logged on the average only thirty-two knots a day for the last week before we got her into port. Now think of the ingratitude of men i have brought her in here according to my best discretion and do you believe these hidalgos or dons or signors or whatever they are had forgotten she existed and when i showed them to her they said in good portugal that i was a liar fortunately the consul is our old friend kingsley he was delighted to see me thought i was at the bottom of the sea From him we learned that the Confederacy was blown sky-high long ago, and from all I can learn I may have the Florida back again for my own private yacht or peculium, unless she goes to Santa Lucia. Not I, my friends. Scrape her and mend her and give her to the Marines and tell them her story, but do not entrust her again to my own Polly's Frederick Ingham. End of Story 2.